0: Welcome to the Medical Association of Georgia's award-winning Top doc show. With more than 8,000 members who care for patients in every specialty and practice setting, MAG is the leading voice for physicians in Georgia. Go to mag.org to join MAG if you're a physician in Georgia. And thanks to Alliant Health Solutions for its support as a sponsor.
1: Hello, everybody and welcome to another edition of Top Docs. I'm your host and MAG CEO, Donald Palmisana. Today's show is going to discuss sickle cell disease and the not-for-profit Be The Match Bone Marrow Donation Program. The Be The Match registry includes more than 20 million potential donors and nearly 300,000 cord blood units. Keep in mind that that is still not enough to meet the needs of every sickle cell patient. It is my honor to introduce Dr. Stacy Arnold, who is a pediatric hematologist oncologist at Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. Dr. Arnold will explain some of the key steps that physicians can take to ensure that every patient receives the transplant that they need. Dr. Arnold, thank you for joining us this morning.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: So can you explain uh, to our audience uh, a little bit about Be The Match?
0: Of course. So as you alluded to, Be The Match is part of the National Marrow Donor Program. It's our national registry for individuals who are willing to donate bone marrow to individuals who desperately need it, whether that's for blood disorders like sickle cell or even other chronic illnesses, as well as cancers, including leukemia.
1: So uh, can you explain to our audience, uh, because some of our audience are are uh, non-physicians, what is sickle cell disease and who does it affect?
0: Yes, so sickle cell is a genetic disorder, which means it's inherited from parents to children. Um, And the disorder is plagued by chronic complications, including pain, which is known to be the hallmark of the disease. But unfortunately, it also is associated with infection risk, uh, organ problems, and other complications that these individuals face over their lifetimes.
1: And do we know why it affects African American and Latino people in particular?
0: Yes, well, uh, we believe that sickle cell originated as an evolutionary uh, benefit. Um, If you actually overlay nations where malaria and other blood disorders exist um, to regions where sickle cell uh, is prominent, they actually almost exactly line up. And that's because this mutation or this change in in the genes actually is protective against some of these blood disorders and preventing them from affecting the red blood cells. Unfortunately, though, that that mutation also results in some of the other complications that I mentioned.
1: Okay. And then uh, can you address some of the misperceptions or stigmas that are sometimes associated with sickle cell disease?
0: Sure. You know, there actually has been research into stigma associated with sickle cell. And unfortunately much of that research hasn't really gotten at the why, um, but it's at least tried to tease out that it does exist um, and how to change it and impact it. I believe stigma often happens when people don't know or don't understand and, and at times fear things. And I think this is part of our outreach is to help people better understand sickle cell and better know who it affects and why it affects the individuals that they do. I think also because this disease is largely a disease of people of color and mainly African-Americans, that unfortunately as we're hearing in the conversations around the world today, racism and prejudices that have persisted over the centuries also play into that. Um, And last but not least, um, when you're dealing with an illness that has chronic pain as an association, And we treat chronic pain with a number of different medications and modalities, including opiates. Um, The opiate use also has come with an association with stigma, especially in this country, you know, from our years of just say no to even now with the opiate epidemic. And those things get associated. And unfortunately, our patients feel that stigma. And what we're trying to do is make sure that people know and understand and, and appreciate individuals with sickle cell disease as human beings um, and not their disease.
1: Yeah, well, I can tell you the last uh, probably seven years or so, um, we have dealt with a lot of legislation uh, down at the Capitol directed at opioids and uh, the impact. And sometimes people don't realize uh, the legislators who, who are trying to make the right decisions, some of the consequences that happen because of stringent laws that they're trying to pass. And I mean, there were times where um, there were bills out there that were trying to put doctors in jail for not checking the prescription drug monitoring program. you know, And, and so what people are realizing, and I think the pendulum is starting to shift the other way that where everybody was saying, get everybody off of opioids. Now there's an understanding, wait, people, some people need to be on opioids. So we gotta be careful on how those laws get structured. So thank you for bringing that up because it's, it's, it's an important message to get out there, especially to some of the legislators.
0: No, I definitely agree. You know, I think many legislators are are well-intended and sometimes the the legislation that is put in place actually ends up doing harm where there was intent of doing good. And and that's where we as advocates um, can educate not only the lay public, but our government officials as well.
1: So uh, what are some of the diseases, uh, let me ask you this. So with with sickle cell, um, what are some of the most common complications?
0: Sure, so the one that most people know and most people see most frequently is pain. Um, Mm -hmm. But individuals with sickle cell disease can also have problems with their vision. They can have kidney problems. They're at risk of stroke at early ages. Uh, They're also at risk of a whole host of end organ complications related to the fact that these red blood cells actually sickle and damage the blood vessels throughout the body in whichever organs they touch or face.
1: Okay, and then, uh, so how do you manage uh, a sickle cell patient?
0: Sure, so we try and manage them in order to prevent some of these complications. And we're actually fortunate that in the current era, we've seen almost an explosion of, of maintenance and preventive therapy to try and reduce the sickling of these red blood cells and therefore the complications we see. So one of the uh, most studied and most used agents is hydroxyurea, which actually changes a part of the red blood cell so that it is less prone to sickle and therefore less likely um, to cause these complications. But we also have newer agents on the market, um, Voxelotor, Pesilisnobab, and a whole host of other new agents that are working Um, and different ways to target the process that goes awry in sickle cell disease to try and help these individuals live well with with sickle cell. But unfortunately, those are preventive and they're not 100%. And that's where we get into curative therapies. So things that will either remove um, the, the individual's ability to make these red blood cells, like a bone marrow transplant, or things like gene therapy, which actually goes in and changes that, that alteration that occurs in sickle cell to try and have your DNA actually make more normal red blood cells.
1: Okay. And then uh, how can a blood stem cell or bone marrow cure sickle
0: cell? So what bone marrow does, it's, it's the actual factory for making your red blood cells. And so if you have a problem with any of your red blood cells, actually replacing that factory is what can cure it. And so in the case of sickle cell, it's the red blood cells that aren't being made properly. So if a person with sickle cell gets donated bone marrow from someone who does not have sickle cell, then that bone marrow effectively replaces the sickle producing bone marrow and allows that person to actually make normal red blood cells and other cells that they need.
1: So based on on the information that that you have, how many sickle cell patients need a transplant today? But and can you compare that to those that can actually get one?
0: Sure, so that's that's also a question under debate. Some in the field would argue that all patients with sickle cell need a transplant. But certainly as with anything we do in medicine, um, all treatments come with risk and there is risk associated with a bone marrow transplant. Um, Most of the evidence says that if you have a brother or sister that matches you completely, then those individuals should have a bone marrow transplant. Um, Other data is available about if you don't have a brother or sister who's a, a match, then can a stranger or unrelated donor a match as well. And in both of those instances, there's only about a quarter or a a 25% chance that someone with sickle cell can actually get a donor. Um, And in particular, in the unrelated donor field, that's actually even more concerning because if we look at our overall population of bone marrow transplant donors and recipients, um, we see that in Caucasians, there's a 73% chance of getting a donor, whereas in sickle cell and in and, and people of uh, African descent, there's less than a 30% chance of actually finding a well-matched donor.
1: And then do you notice other issues um, why every sickle cell patient can't get a transplant as well?
0: Sure. So I think part of it you know, starts with um, knowledge and information. So... Um, you know, this evidence about transplant as a curative therapy is still relatively new. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not as known in the medical community. It's not as known in the sickle cell community, and it's not uh, as known in the community as large. Um, However, that's changing uh, with efforts like this and other efforts in the media, the information's getting out there. But then as I alluded to, once that information is out there, the critical piece of actually getting a match and finding a match is, is where many individuals with sickle cell, unfortunately, are, are left without a curative option. Um, and our hope is that the more individuals that we get on the donor registry, and in particular people of color, the more likely it is that someone with sickle cell will actually have the opportunity to have a, a treatment that will cure their disease because there are more donors in the registry that reflect them and their ethnic makeup.
1: Okay. And then uh, why has it been so hard for African-Americans to find a match on the registry?
0: So I I think it's a combination of smaller numbers. Um, Mm -hmm. There aren't enough uh, African-Americans and people of color in the registry. I also believe, unfortunately, again, getting sort of to, you know, uh, the history of our culture and racism is that, um, you know, in the past medical... Societies and and people in the name of research have done bad things to African Americans Um, and that trust has been broken. And so when a medical person comes to you asking for your blood or asking you to donate, that's met with some, you know, reservation and mistrust. And I think that also plays into the lower numbers of individuals on the registry. But I'm here today to say that that's not what Be The Match is about. That's not what the the bone marrow registry is about. And in many ways, you know, I view this as as our chance out of very few to actually have the power to help someone and to affect change in our community. Uh, I know many of us feel powerless in in other ways, but this is truly an instance where, um, you know, your simple donation can actually change someone's life. Uh, and just becoming more aware of that, uh, I think will help increase the numbers on the registry and, and reduce this, this question that you're raising of why African-Americans are having such a problem finding donors.
1: And then can you talk about the, the bone marrow donation process?
0: Sure. So. Um, In order to be a bone marrow donor, first first you have to be on the registry. And today it's actually even simpler than when I signed up for the registry. Um, Back then you had to take blood and they sent the sample and and you were entered. Now you can just simply take almost like a Q-tip and swab the inside of your cheek, mail that in uh, with some paperwork and you're on the registry. And once you're on the registry, if you're fortunate enough to be matched with someone who needs your bone marrow, you'll be contacted by Be The Match. Um, They will facilitate your uh, workup, which includes some blood tests just to make sure that you are exactly the match you need to be, that you're in good health in order to donate safely. And then they'll talk you through the donation process. And there are two ways to donate right now. One is through a procedure we call a bone marrow harvest. Uh, And that's actually done under anesthesia in an operating room where they collect the bone marrow uh, directly from your hip bone, the source of where it's made most in the body. Um, And then they uh, store it for it to be given to the recipient later. The other way is um, through what we call peripheral blood cell stem cell collection. Um, And I liken that more so to what people think of when you donate blood. Um, in that they um, draw the blood directly off of a vein and, and collect it to be then given. Um, the only difference from a blood donor is that in this case, you, you have to have medication um, for a short period of time that actually makes those bone marrow cells readily available in your bloodstream so that when they draw that blood off, they actually have the, the bone marrow cells they need in order to give to the person who
1: needs them. So I, I had an opportunity to go through the website mm-hmm. and it is, it is, has a lot of information and it's, it's very well done, very easy to navigate. So one of the things I noticed on there is that, um, obviously there, um, there was a focus on people donating bone marrow and getting in the registry that were between 18 and 44 years old. Yes, And then, uh, 46 to 60, um, was, Hey, you know, we were interested, um, uh, but there's going to be some, so, so can you help explain what really to me and the audience, uh, what why the age difference and and is there importance for that?
0: Sure, so uh, what we know from bone marrow transplant is that the healthier you are as both donor and recipient, the better the outcomes. Um, And you're more than likely to be healthy if you're younger. Um, And so that influences some of our donor practices in that regard. Of course, also, you have to be an adult. We can't take donations from from teenagers um, or younger teenagers. So that's why we really are encouraging um, young, healthy, active individuals um, to be a part of the registry. But as you said, you know, if you're 46 and you just heard about the registry through this, you know, podcast, then you still have an opportunity to sign up. And that doesn't mean that you can't donate at 46 right. or 50 or, you know, 60, but that just means that, um, you know, if we are presented with, you know, an ideal situation where we have a number of possible donors for someone, nice. um, then we would uh, pick based on the age and the health of the donor to try and provide the person receiving the bone marrow the best opportunity at a cure and a good out.
1: No, and, and again, I, I don't want it, uh, our listeners to think that I'm, I'm, I'm you know, just focused <laughs> on 18 to 44. It's, we want everybody to to right. get on the registry to donate. Right. Um, so please do, and, and, and take advantage of, of, of the situation because we've got to make sure that um, that, that, that people have access to donors. So, yeah, so you're exactly don't, don't
0: right. Advantage. No, and it and it may be a circumstance where someone just has one donor that's a match, and that person's 59. We want you, <laughs> you know. Right. Um, and so uh, we certainly encourage, though, and we really want our younger uh, population to know about it, and especially I, I think in young adults um, who may have more reservations about health healthcare or less contact with the healthcare system. Um, that's another reason why we really are sort of pushing and encouraging that group um, because. They just may not have experienced the healthcare system like some older adults have yet.
1: So, so uh, for our audience, how can people join the registry?
0: Sure. So it's as easy as going to the website, site be Um, On there, um, there's a link that says how to join, um, and they will send you the swab kit that I mentioned. Um, they'll mail it to you with a return envelope, so it's really easy. Um, and they give you detailed instructions on how to take the swab inside your cheek and collect the cells that they need to know what your type is and whether or not you're a match. And, and I should highlight, um, you know, many people, when they think of donation, they think of our organ donation system, right. which is actually very different from our bone marrow donation system. Um, the organ donation system relies on knowing your blood type. Whereas uh, with bone marrow donation, we have to get these cells so that we actually know the specific type on the cells and match at a a very detailed level to make sure that that we're giving the best possible option. Um, And so that's what doing that swab kit at home does is it gives us that information. You put the swabs back in the envelope, you send it back, and then you'll receive a follow-up and email from be the match saying that you're officially on the registry. They will periodically check in with you just to make sure your phone number and contact information is up to date. But it's really that easy, it's just going to the website, clicking a button, filling out your information so that they can send you the, the, the swab kit, and then that's it.
1: So what other, because again, I was on the website, can you tell our audience what other resources uh, are available on, on the website?
0: Yes, there's actually a whole host of resources on the website, um, not only for patients, but even for us as clinicians um, to tell us about things related to either patients as they're going to transplant or how to manage patients after they've received one. Uh, For individuals who are interested in being a donor, there's a lot of information about how to donate, what the donation process is, some of the things we've highlighted on this call, as well as a good host of information of what your donation does and who it helps and how it helps. Um, And that's then the third area where the website is helpful. It also has information about the different diseases that actually bone marrow can treat and cure. Um, And within some of that information, um, there's also opportunity for resources for donors and recipients um, to help facilitate the process. Um, So all of that is nicely housed on Be The Match um, and very easy to find. I, I haven't gone to the website and sort of look for a question that I haven't been able to answer <laughs> uh, with the website.
1: So is uh let me take you a little bit more local to the Atlanta area. Sure. Um is Be the Match doing anything in particular in the Atlanta area?
0: So yes. Um, you know, as I said, we're we're Um, really trying to move the needle for people of color and African Americans in particular to ensure that they have opportunity um, to have a donor. And so Be The Match has invested their time and their resources in the Be The Match Atlanta campaign to really try and increase uh, the number of African-Americans and people of color in the registry. And so it's a multi event. You may have seen commercials on TV. You may hear things on the news. Um, It's also what we call Cheek Week. Um, And so we're promoting, um, you know, the process in essence of how you can become a donor and that swab of the cheek so that we can really try and recruit and inform Uh, individuals. And we will have more uh, initiatives and outreaches in the community. Uh, Obviously, COVID has somewhat altered how we're doing that outreach. Um, But nonetheless, uh, you know, we still feel that even in our time, it's very important that we're we're still taking care of each other. And this is one of our ways that we can actually help our neighbors and our, our friends and family is by becoming a bone marrow donor.
1: So, uh, can you suggest any other good resources for our audience?
0: Sure. I mean, obviously, I can't, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, talk about Be The Match uh, enough, um, but the website be the match.org or be the match org. Um, there's also a whole host of, of resources on the internet. Um, um, be The Match, I think, has the best videos about right. the donation process, but there are um, uh, uh, resources on the internet in terms of um, becoming a bone marrow donor. You can also look at websites for our main society. So the American Society of Hematology and others, which have more detailed information about um, bone marrow transplant and being a bone marrow donor.
1: Well, good. Well, thank you. Do you have any final thoughts as we wrap it up?
0: No, I I just want to close with, you know, I think we're really excited about this campaign. Uh, We understand that it's happening in a time that's really um, tough for all Americans and really throughout the world. Um, And in this time, many of us are, are sort of looking for ways that we can act and do. Um, and, and try and have some hope or some silver lining out of this. And I see my work with Be, be the Match in this campaign as one of those. So I really encourage people um, to, if you aren't moved to donate from this conversation, to at least go to the website and find out more information. And maybe this is the way that you can actually be a positive action and a positive change in a time where it's greatly needed.
1: Well, thank you. Well, Dr. Arnold, thank you for your time this morning. We really appreciate it. And I mean, what, what a wonderful, uh, uh, you know, program. And, and, and let's get the message out. Uh, be the match. And, and we're going to encourage everyone to go to the website. So thank you for your time this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I would also like to thank and applaud uh, the rest of our tireless and heroic physicians and allied healthcare professionals and staff for everything that they're doing today. Um, especially during this pandemic, but even before the pandemic. Uh, From everybody at MAG, thank you. And we'll look forward to catching up with you on the next Top Docs.
0: Thanks for watching this episode of Top Docs. Please share this program with your colleagues and family and friends. Remember to follow MAG on Facebook and Twitter. And don't forget you can get past episodes of the show at mag.org backslash top docs. From everybody at MAG, We look forward to catching up with you on our next episode of Top Docs.